0: Be seated. Right, Can I firstly welcome all the members of the public to this meeting and also those listening in to the recording? Um, could I also remind members to switch their microphones on and off when they finish speaking for the benefit of those listening? If we when we get to the vote, I will state for those listening in whether it's unanimous or if it's for how many for and how many against. Um, members, we will note that as well as your published agenda pack, there have been two additional supplementary packs published. The first contains the officer's report regarding the Stanford Airport planning application and the 106 agreement. A note on points raised by Stop Stancid Expansion in correspondence with the leader ...and a schedule to the report with key examples of obligations flowing from the report to the planning committee. The second contains a note clarifying a number of points in the officer's report. And all members were also sent a letter from Mr O'Toole of MAG on the 18th of April... ...and Mr Peter Sanders of SSE on the 23rd of April. I've extended the public speaking this evening to accommodate all those who wanted to speak. We have nine registered speakers... You each have three minutes. Um, To avoid complications, could I please ask that you try not to repeat points made by other speakers? Um, There are two seats, so could I ask each of you, or two people, to come up, the first to speak and, and the second ready to speak when they've finished. So may I start by inviting Mr Day to speak and Mr Beer to come and take a seat. Thank you.
1: Madam
2: Chairman, Councillors, tonight is an opportunity for all of you to listen, reflect and make amends. For some of you, it will be the last chance to listen to those whom you represent, because in a few days' time, some will be standing down and some will not be re-elected. An opportunity for those of you who have been bullied by the party whip to ignore it. I take this opportunity to remind Councillor Rolfe that it is malpractice to do so involving planning matters. Public trust in the planning system is vital. The good people of Uttlesford no longer trust you. They feel let down by the individual councillors who have been content to follow the party whip, and they feel let down by officers who are not enforcing conditions imposed on Stansted Airport. Make no doubt about it, public trust has been damaged by the way the most recent airport planning application was handled, especially with all the 47 parish and town councils opposing that application. During the actual hearing, a Conservative member of the committee fell asleep and the only active part he played during that day was to ask the chairman for a comfort break. Yet he voted to support the application when clearly he had taken little or no interest in the complex proceedings. How could this sleepy councillor rationally and impartially vote in those circumstances? Well, of course not. But vote he did, and his vote was crucial to the outcome. Scandalous and shabby are words that spring to mind. When the vote was called, surprisingly, all of the Conservatives, with the exception of Councillor Lemon, supported the application. Was this a predetermined decision? I wonder. I do, however, salute Councillor Lemon for being his own person. We have UDC officers who have failed to implement air traffic movement conditions imposed by the Secretary of State in October 2008 as part of the 35 million passengers per annum permission. Stansted Airport is currently handling around 6,000 ATMs per year above the prescribed limit, surely a matter which is of public interest to enforce. However, UDC officers refuse to explain why they view it in the public interest not to enforce condition ATM2. UDC officers are also not enforcing the Council's long standing policy of permitting only airport related use within the Stanford Airport boundary. There is a substantial logistics operation on the airport site which does not have planning permission. And it is cl- in a could clear I, breach of ask UDC you to start planning winding policy. Up, please,
0: Mr. Day. Could I ask you to start winding up, please? You've had three minutes.
2: OK. Surely there is a real and urgent need to be rebuild public trust in the planning system rather than further undermining it. And it would undoubtedly be further undermined if you did not inf- vote in favour of the motion before you tonight. Thank you, Madam Chairman.
3: In Shakespeare's day, saffron Walden smelled sweet with the saffron crocus. But today, to misquote the Bard, there is something rotten in this state of Uttlesford. To restore credibility in representative and accountable democracy, the ghost of the Stansted planning decision which haunts this room needs exercising by counsel. This process has been plagued by undue haste at every juncture. Five councillors seemingly colluded to vote a previously agreed outcome. This was an affront to local constituents who had clearly given their opinion. Poorly framed reports from planning officers were not challenged, despite the glaring anomalies. Planning officers appear to have an attitude of underlying contempt for constituents' comments, but are happy to take instruction from the applicant without any challenge. This is not democratic process. For their decision, the five did not reference any planning policy, merely citing taking a wider, broader perspective, or not speaking at all. Section 106 terms were not mentioned once during the entire planning committee meeting, and the commitment of holding Stowell to account if so-called quieter planes are not introduced seems to have fallen by the wayside. This planning decision will clearly, materially and adversely affect our local environment, but we are told that the planning committee is an expert-trained committee, despite half the committee displaying little evidence of this, or of even having read the application in any detail. Circumstances have changed since the decision of the planning committee. Others will speak to this, but I will point at one glaring item. In the existing 2003-2008 Section 106 agreements, there is a ban on Stowell lobbying for any relaxation of night flight restrictions. This now appears to have disappeared. Why? Who agreed that mandate? This planning application was not normal in any respect, but only now do councillors realise they should not have entrusted officers with this Section 106 task without reference back to the planning committee. In all respects, this administration under Howard Rolfe has presided over a woeful desecration of representative democracy, which is shameful. So I'll finish where I started and quote from Twelfth Night. Like all of your kind, your past shame, past truth. Shame on UDC planning officers for not challenging Stiles' application in a professional manner. Shame on you five councillors in not representing your communities and failing to be independent and unbiased. Shame on you Howard Rolfe for not listening to your electorate and petulantly claiming a call for accountability is bullying. 47 Uttlesford parish and town communities will not forget how this planning application was dealt with. Council. Tonight, you have an opportunity to redress some of this shame and foster some confidence in the process by, according this matter, time to be reviewed properly. On behalf of all constituents in Uttlesford, I encourage you to do so. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Mr Reeve. Mr Woodcock. And could I invite Mr Reeve to come up, please, and Mr Woodcock to speak. Uh,
4: Madam Chairman... Councillors and Officers, I'm Ray Woodcock, a resident of Stansford Mount Fitchett for over 40 years. Although I'm a member of Stop Stansford Expansion, this statement is mine alone. I hope you will all agree that public trust in the planning process must be a given. Without trust, we descend into anarchy. Examples of planning enforcement Athlesford District Council Planning Officers have not enforced Condition ATM2 imposed by the Secretary of State in October 2008 as part of the 35 million passenger per annum permission. Officers have accepted that Stull is currently handling about 16,000 non-ATMs whereas Condition ATM2 allows only 10,000 ATMs per annum. Why has this condition not been enforced by UDC planning officers? They're supposed to be the experts and it is their job to enforce. The result would be 6,000 fewer flights per annum, which would reduce noise and air pollution. Equally important, agreements would be enforced. Another of my concerns is the long-standing UDC policy of permitting only airport-related use of land within Stansfield Airport boundary. Officers have been aware for months that Wren's Kitchens is operating their logistics functions from within the airport boundary. Wren's lorries are HGVs, clogging our already overused highways and increasing roadside air pollution levels. Again, why have not officers taken enforcement action? Trust in the planning system is so important that these issues need to be very carefully reviewed by the planning committee to get, them, uh, to get these issues up right first time. There will be certainly no second chance. Thank you.
5: Thank you, Mr. Woodcock.
0: Um, Mr. Reeve, you're next, and could I ask Mr. Haynes to come and take a seat, please?
6: Thank you, Madam Chair. My name is Neil Reeve, and I'm a member of the High Easter Parish Council, and I'm speaking to request delaying the 106 decision. I wish to make a single point. At the Council meeting on the 9th of April, Councillor Rolfe said as follows. Whether we're now going to take back the decision making on a section 106 would be a unique event in the history of Uttlesford District Council. Councillor Rolfe is incorrect. This is not a unique event. The following day, even, the 10th of April, there was a meeting of the Uttlesford District Council Planning Committee, and it seems there was another unique event in the history of Uttlesford District Council. This relates to a project at Great Chalks in Hatfield-Broad Oak, and I quote from a summary of the briefing papers, Agenda Item 16. The above above planning application was reported to Planning Committee on 26 September 2018, with a recommendation for approval subject to planning conditions and the completion of a Section 106 obligation. Two, it has since transpired that the heads of terms of an S106 agreement contained in the report to committee only referred to the making of contributions to off site affordable housing. During the debate, the provision of public car parking was considered in addition to other matters. Four, officers consider it prudent to clarify this matter before the completion of the Section 106 obligation and the issuing of the planning permission. And it seems that these unique events began to appear quite a long time ago because on the 9th of January 2003, the Planning Committee, at that time known as the Development Control Committee, held a six-hour meeting, which was their fourth such meeting, before approving the Section 106 agreement proposed by officers in relation to the approval of Stansted Airport's planning application to be allowed to expand to 25 million passengers per annum and I quote from the minutes of that meeting. The Draft Section 106 agreement has been considered by the committee at its meeting of 16th December 2002. At that time, members had asked that the matter be deferred to allow them to consider the document in detail, to ask questions of the planning officers and to arrange a special meeting of the committee. In conclusion, it is not unique to request the planning committee to consider important 106 conditions. It should be automatic automatic. If this Council accepts the 106 as it is, such that it overrides the planning committee, this is simply wrong. Thank you very much, Madam Chairman.
7: Thank
0: you, Mr. Lee. Um, Mr. Haynes, you're next, and could I ask Mr. Jones, please, to come and take a seat?
8: We can't hear very well at the back.
9: Mr. Jones.
0: Right. Well, I've just asked, I've thanked Mr. Reeve and um, asked Mr. Haynes. Or is it Mr. Reeve next? I've got confused. now. I'm, I'm
9: Richard Haynes. <laughs>
0: Mr. Haynes, I apologise. <laughs> so Mr. Haynes and Mr. J- Ms Jones. Mr <laughs> Jones, Jones, come and take a seat. Thank you.
9: Uh, Yes, I'm Richard Haynes. I'm a resident of Thaxted, but I've also been asked to talk on behalf of Thaxted Parish Council. Um, The first thing to say is that we are inevitably seriously disappointed by this draft Section 106. Completely lacks ambition. It's wholly inadequate in terms of proposed transport measures, laughably mean with regard to sound insulation and the Community Trust Fund, Um, totally ineffective in terms of its provision for pollution at Hatfield, uh, Hatfield Forest. And the other minor point is that I was rather amused to see that their contribution towards the legal costs of Uttleswick Council was £5,000. No wonder this is such a weak looking document if they're only prepared to spend £5,000 on legal costs. Um, my main point, however, is with regard to disturbance compensation. Um, the airport carried out, as you will know, uh, extensive works between 1999 and 2007 relating to an earlier planning permission. They never finished those works purely on the basis that their intention was to try to avoid paying compensation to local residents. It took until 2015 for a local resident to go to the Lands Tribunal. Lands Tribunal, no nonsense at all, in the pre-trial review basically said to Stansted Airport, yes, compensation is due, there is a case. So in 2016, they submitted an invitation to local residents to put in claims. It was very limited in terms of the area that they were covering. It specifically excluded Thaxted, which is totally illogical because I now see in this document there is a provision for them to carry out sound insulation measures in all Thaxted churches and Thaxted halls. That is totally at odds with their submission that there has been no increased noise uh, in Thaxted. Um, So we are now in a position where they are saying that there is no compensation due to residents um, which means the only uh, way that we can take this forward is by reference to the Lands Tribunal that is they they are basically just saying the Lands Tribunal We accept it is going to be very expensive, we accept there are risks to residents, but it is up to you, that is the only way you are going to get compensation from us. They have offered a few uh, without prejudice payments on a non-disclosure basis, but they will not accept that compensation is due. This is how they treat their neighbours. No support has been given to the residents from Uttersford District Council. Now, it may be that this is not a matter for a Section 106 um, document. But this should have been addressed. This should have been at the forefront of all the negotiations throughout this planning process. And as far as I'm aware, it was never addressed. Um, So it's quite likely, having granted planning permission here, that residents will have to wait another 20 years to look forward to their compensation for this latest application. And finally, um, I think... Probably it's been said before, but we have the elections coming up next week. It seems to me pretty unlikely that there will be many votes for Conservative Party candidates in Thaxted, Debden, Broxted, Tateley, Dunmo and the Halingbury's. So I just leave you with that thought.
7: Thank you.
0: Thank you Mr Haynes. Mrs Jones, and could I invite Mr Sutton to come up, please?
8: As the fine weather was forecast for the Easter weekend, I looked forward to spending four uninterrupted days working in my garden. Unfortunately, because of unrelented overflying, I spent much of that time in the house with the doors and windows closed. By the end of the weekend, I felt tired, stressed out and frustrated. There is scientific evidence now available from the World Health Organisation stating that noise can be as damaging to physical health as air pollution. When Stansted Airport submitted their planning application to increase passenger numbers in November of last year, there were no robust strategies put in place to mitigate against increase of aircraft noise save to say that there would be no increase in flights as larger aircraft would be deployed and in any case aircraft will be getting quieter. There is no such thing as a quiet aircraft, especially if it is flying directly overhead. I am fearful of having to cope with the noise as the airport grows to the 35 million passengers per annum for which it has planning permission. The aviation industry must take on board the guidelines for noise pollution as set out by the World Health Organization. A second concern I have that I feel is not being adequately addressed is that of climate change. This subject has been highlighted recently by the program on BBC One presented by David Attenborough. If you have not seen it, I suggest you make every effort to do so it is very disturbing and you cannot have failed to read about or heard Greta Thunberg from Sweden. She fears that that she and her generation have no future and I quote from her address to world leaders you lied to us, you gave us false hope, you told us that the future was something to look forward to. You don't listen to the science, because you are only interested in the solutions that will enable you to carry on as before. The aviation industry is one of the worst polluters. So, councillors, I ask that you do not reject the motion that is before you, and to put the problem to one side until all the above issues are addressed. I ask Manchester Airport Group to withdraw their current planning application. Thank you.
0: Ms Sutton and could I ask
10: Mr Ross to come up with his District councillors are elected to make decisions on behalf of local community, our local community. It's obvious to everyone here tonight that this council wants to rush through the final approval of expansion at Stansted Airport to 43 million passengers per annum before next week's elections, despite knowing that the proposed Section 106 agreement is totally inadequate and unfair. Despite community objections from the outset, UDC has insisted that MAG planning application be determined at a local level to ensure maximum benefit for the local community. Instead of thoroughly investigating and reviewing a fairer agreement attached to such approval and whilst knowing this mitigation package is vastly inferior to any other major UK airports, you are now ready to betray us and rush this matter through. We, the people of this district, elected you to represent us. Yet when it comes to Manchester Airport Group, you bow down and treat your own local residents as second-class citizens. When the Planning Committee approved Stansford Airport expansion in November last year by a single cast vote, Of course we were bitterly disappointed, but there was at least a crumb of comfort that the approval was conditional upon a long list of safeguards and community benefits being included in a Section 106 agreement. The planning committee resolution made clear that if the Section 106 agreement did not include all these items, then it was minded to refuse the planning application. It is clear to everyone that the proposed Section 106 agreement doesn't cover all the items it was supposed to cover, and yet the Council now wants to allow officers to overrule the Planning Committee and approve the agreement, regardless of its shortcomings. This would take away our only crumb of comfort and would be a gross betrayal to our local residents. Thank you,
0: Mrs Sutton. Uh, Mr Ross, you are next, and could I ask Mr Twigg to come up.
1: Thank you, Madam Chairman. I am Brian Ross. I am Deputy Chairman of Stop Standards Expansion. We have 7,500 members and registered online supporters, mostly Uttersford residents, and we are non-political. This is the resolution that was agreed by the Planning Committee on the 14th of November. Let me just read how it starts. That the applicant should be informed by the Planning Committee that we would be minded to refuse refuse planning permission unless the applicant enters into a binding obligation to cover the matters set out below. There is then a long list of items have them here, as Maggie said, benefits for the community and safeguards. This is the Section 106 agreement which officers now want to sign. It is incontrovertible that there are major omissions in this compared to what was agreed by the Planning Committee. The proposed Section 106 agreement plainly does not cover all the items required by the Planning Committee resolution. Many of them are left unclear and, as I say, there are many outright omissions. Officers were not given carte blanche to conclude just any Section 106 agreement and they would be going beyond their delegated authority if they approved this document in its present form. And if members vote against this resolution tonight, they would be overruling the Planning Committee. That would plainly amount to political interference in the proper planning process. The Planning Committee must be given an opportunity to examine this agreement and decide for itself whether the terms of the resolution have been met. And remember, the default position is that the Planning Committee were minded to refuse the application unless this is satisfactory. Finally, I want to say this. SSE is deeply disappointed that the Council refuses to have any form of dialogue with us, despite having offered it on the 25th of March and withdrew the offer the following day. Instead, what we heard from the leader on the 9th of April, not the, the leader of the Council on the 9th of April, We will meet them in court. SSE has no appetite for that, nor should this council have. It would be council taxpayers who would pick up the cost. And you should not unnecessarily invite expensive legal proceedings. It is not too late to try to avoid that. I urge you to support the motion. Thank you.
0: Mr. Ross uh, and Mr.
11: Twigg, please. Good evening, Chairman, members. Uh, I'm John Twigg, Planning Director for MAG. This is a very unusual meeting, so we appreciate the invitation to speak. The constitutional matters are clearly not ones for us, but as the applicant for the planning application that led to this debate, I'd like to make a few remarks. The first is to highlight that your officers have set out an accurate and comprehensive analysis of the issues. As they say, our application underwent many months of scrutiny and carefully followed the correct planning process. The Section 106 agreement and the planning conditions were the result of extensive public consultation, a comprehensive, legally sound environmental statement and its assessment of impacts, careful and thorough consideration by your officers, independent advisors and consultees. The Planning Committee's own conclusions after a seven-hour debate and critically a rigorous check of all of that against the legal tests in the 2010 SIL regulations. The detailed wording of the Section 106 agreement faithfully and completely follows the heads of terms agreed by the Planning Committee. Of that I have no doubt so, throughout, we and the Council have carefully followed the right process, taken the correct steps, and done so entirely in accord with Government's advice and the law. It's suggested that circumstances have changed since the Planning Committee in November. We agree with your Officer's rebuttal of that point. And I'd add that only 36 days ago, the Secretary of State announced that he saw no need to call in the planning application, him making that decision in the light of all the circumstances as they existed 36 days ago. Last week, our CEO regrettably felt the need to write to you all to correct the factual inaccuracies stated by SSE about the Section 106 agreement. You've heard some of those inaccuracies repeated again this evening. We are complying with our planning permissions on general aviation movement limits and our application does not seek to increase the limit of 274,000 aircraft movements already agreed by the Secretaries of State. We are not removing the ban on night flight lobbying that remains in force. Our new sound installation grant scheme has extended as far as the 57 LEQ noise contour So in conclusion, I would respectfully ask you to consider carefully the points set out in our letter, reflect on the diligent approach taken by your officers and the Planning Committee in supporting the application and the agreement, and we continue to believe that this package of mitigation provides a sustainable and reasonable basis on which to manage further growth at Stansted. Thank you, Chairman.
0: Thank you very much. Moving on. Um, apologies for absence. I have apologies from councillors Knight, Lachlan and Sell. Are there any more? No. And declarations of interest. May I remind members of Stop Stansted? Councilor I beg your pardon. Councillor Freeman. Right. And
12: Yes, can I declare a, an interest as a long-standing member of Stop at yes, Expansion? Yes, I'm just
0: going to say members of Stop Stansard, yes, or other similar campaigning groups should declare, as should any other members who have personal or business interests. I'm, Blay- also,
13: I'm also a member of Stop at Expansion.
5: Thank you. Oh, Councillor oh, Barker. Sorry, Chairman, as a the the member the of Essex County Council, who are signatory to the 106. <Councilor> 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 Thank you, right. and Councillor more? Gerard.
14: Yes, just for the avoidance of doubt, just to declare myself as a member of the Planning Committee that sat on the 14th of November.
0: Sure. I, don't, I don't think we need to declare. That's that. fine then. Okay.
6: Councillor Felton
0: is absent. Uh, yeah, Councillor Felton is absent. Fine. Right. So um, before I move on to the business of this meeting, can I remind members that we are not here to deliberate on the merits of the planning application that was submitted by Stansted Airport? and determined by the Planning Commission Committee in November or how the Planning Committee reached its decision. The issue raised by the motion is whether the Planning Committee should be asked to scrutinise, review and approve the S106 legal agreement and the planning conditions before the decision to grant approval is issued. Members should focus their comments on whether officers should act on the powers delegated to them by the Planning Committee or whether the detailed terms of the Section 106 agreement and the planning conditions to be included in the decision notice should be referred back to the Planning Committee for consideration. I would remind members that their speeches or statements should be no longer than five minutes and should be directed to the motion. Um, Councillor Dean has asked if he could extend his slot, and I have agreed, to seven minutes. So, Councillor Dean, over to you.
12: Well, first of all, Madam Chairman, I would like to propose that tonight Council resolves to instruct the Chief Executive and fellow officers not to issue a Planning Decision Notice for Planning Application UTT-18-0460-FUL until the related Section 106 legal agreement between UDC and Stenstead Airport Limited and the planning conditions have been scrutinised, reviewed and approved by the Council's planning committee after the local elections.
14: Thank you.
0: Does that find a seconder? Uh, Councillor Gerrard. I'd like to second
14: that, please. Councillor Gerrard. Uh, Madam Chairman, could I please reserve also seven minutes, please? Yes, you could. Thank you very much.
0: Do you wish to say any more, Councillor?
14: Yes, may I I'll speak
12: to my proposal, Madam Chairman? May I firstly thank you for convening tonight's extraordinary Council meeting. I regret that members have needed to be summoned again following what would have been the final meeting of this Council on April the 9th. However, I make no apology whatsoever. The meeting requested requested by me and 11 other members has been necessary in an attempt to ensure that the way this Council operates is not only in line with the letter of its constitution and rule books, but also is seen by the public to be acting openly in the spirit of the rule book and in the public interest. I suggest that it would be more open and transparent in this it should be more open and transparent in this instance. Please let me explain before I do let me repeat my subscribing membership to stop censored expansion that has been continuous since its inception. Let me also express my grateful thanks to the active team of amateur experts who run SSE for their copious notes and correspondence that has brought to our attention so much about the legal obligations that we have time to consider tonight. I would like to read the part of the resolution of the planning committee on November 14th that addresses the section 106 legal obligations. It was an officer recommendation which was approved by the committee. Um, It said, and we've already heard part of it, that conditional approval subject to 106 legal obligation that the applicant be informed that the planning committee would be minded to refuse planning permission for the reasons set out in Paragraph 3, unless the freehold owner enters into a binding obligation to cover the matter set out below under various acts in a form to be prepared by the Assistant Director Legal and Governance, in which case he shall be authorised to conclude such an obligation to secure the following... There then was a long list of items, which are heads of terms, I believe it's called, that were mentioned, and I'm only going to refer to three of them. The first one is that it said a rail user's discount scheme with a higher rate of discount and revised eligibility criteria. The second one I'm going to refer to is, are the wording there would be revised targets for public transport mode share. And thirdly, in summing up, it said that with all of those and others, there would be penalty clauses for missed targets. The annex to tonight's meeting report under public transport and other aspects of the documentation show that the draft section 106 agreement does not Adequately address these three agreed obligations in the list within the November committee resolution. Namely, and I'll go back to the, those three points, it contains no binding obligation to provide a new rail use discount scheme with a higher rate of discount and revised eligibility criteria. All it Requires all that is required is is a scheme to quote as may be amended from time to time by agreement between STAL and UDC. There is no reference to a higher rate of discount and revised eligibility criteria. Further agreed amendments could be downwards in line with the review let out clause that I have just mentioned. On the second point, the document, the draft agreement, does not contain, to quote, revised targets for public transport mode share. The airport's sustainability development plan 2015 showed 51% of air passengers using bus, coach and train and rail. The airport's corporate social responsibility report 2017-18 says the airport, to quote, will maintain at least at least 50% mode share to public transport to the end of 2019 and that the and in fact what it also shows is that the performance has dropped by 1.1% between 2016 and 2018 so is Uttlesford expected to sign up to a a quote revised target of 50% mode share, a target in decline through this set of legal obligations. And thirdly and lastly, in my small extract from the draft section 106 agreement, it fails totally to identify promised, clauses, penalty clauses penalty for missed targets. The only reference to penalty payments relates to, quote, the Department of Transport noise penalty payable for breach of noise thresholds and off track flying at Stansted Airport. And that's not something that this um, approval deals with, uh, addresses. To me, this is a significant departure from the resolution of the Planning Committee last November. It has been pointed out to me that there are steering groups that oversee transport matters. That is simply bureaucracy and process, not quantified outcomes. Without performance targets that might or might not be met, these groups can be little more than talking shops without a clear, monitorable purpose. However, moreover, the obligations are contained in the transport targets category Only to be delivered by reasonable measures by the applicant, but not through best endeavours. Those uh, more legally trained than I will know the distinction, but in my my expectation or my judgment, this is a a weakly defined expectation. There are obligations over which the the applicant has adequate control, so warrant best endeavours. In conclusion, Madam Chairman, I am aware that the Leader of the Council wishes the completion of these legal obligations to remain behind closed doors with the Council's officers and representatives of Stansted Airport Limited et al. His reason for this is the way it is normally done. Well, as we have heard, if it is normal to breach the decision of Planning Committee through omission, if it is normal to shortchange the residents of Uttlesford District and further afield, then there is something seriously wrong with the governance of Uttoxeter District Council on such a controversial subject. I find this situation both unwise and unacceptable. Public accountability must be re-established. The first step will be to refer the proposed legal obligations and, for the sake of compatibility checks, the planning conditions to the new planning committee once it is formed and appropriately informed. Any move to bounce the legal obligations on a decision notice through this side of of May 2nd would be unhelpful for the public reputation of Uttleford District Council. I so move Madam Chairman and thank you for the opportunity to present this case.
0: Thank you. Um, Over to members. nobody wish to speak (laughs) councillor Artis
15: thank you chairman Um, I must say I have a a great deal of sympathy with the motion before tonight's council to refer the draft section 106 agreement back back to the planning committee Uh, I'm a conservative councillor and uh, as has been mentioned uh, in the uh, Hanniburts this evening but I must stress that I I don't consider this to be a party political issue. Indeed, the petition to hold the meeting was in fact cross-party. None of us here should claim any political win or loss after the vote tonight, whichever way it goes. It's really a whole council matter. The reason I support this additional layer of scrutiny is because I feel the planning committee or some independent validator should ensure that all of the matters the committee required concluding are so done, and in such a way as to clearly detail the responsibilities of all parties. Any trigger points should be throughput-related and set to provide infrastructure in advance of the requirement. How many times have we complained of infrastructure not keeping up with developments in our area, or house developers not fulfilling their Section 106 agreements on time? If this vote succeeds, we are not setting a precedent here. Previous Stansted Airport Planning um, Section 106 agreements were in fact discussed by the Planning Committee on five five separate occasions before being ratified. So this is not a precedent. It is also not a governance issue. I do not see what is wrong with ensuring that the Planning Committee, who are minded to refuse the application unless the Section 106 requirements were met, gets the opportunity to check that it is indeed the case and hence remove its mindfulness to refuse. I also consider that the planning committee delegated officers to conclude an agreement that matched their expectations. They did not vote for officers to agree something different. I have my own board issue with a section 106 agreement which after some considerable discussion with officers, I am now able to contribute to and I am glad I did as it was prepared by the developer's solicitor and did not include all of the requirements of the planning committee and insufficiently protected Uttersford District Council. So you can understand why I am slightly wary of not having full member scrutiny of the draft agreement. Through being a councillor for 15 years I have hard-won positions on the Stansted Airport Consultative Committee, but I am also Chairman of the National Local Authority Association Strategic Special Interest Group. It advances sustainable aviation policies on behalf of local communities. I believe that a further layer of scrutiny of the Section 106 agreement is certainly not incompatible with the requirements to make aviation-related development sustainable. Whichever way this vote goes, I would not expect the council to rush into executing any agreement before the election. And quite frankly, I would expect the chief executive to recommend that it be referred back to the planning committee anyway. Or at least uh, instigate a review procedure. It would be the most appropriate course of action. So if the chief executive does not give an assurance that the matter can and will be referred back, then... I will be voting for the motion. If she doesn't give that assurance, I expect she will in due course anyway. So I would urge members to vote for the motion, simply to show that we, Uttlesford councillors, take our responsibilities seriously and seek to work in harmony with the airport, but affording the protections and benefits our communities expect of their council. In the absence of the Chief Executive Assurance, are we voting in favour of the motion providing this additional layer of scrutiny to one of the most important Section 106 agreements that this Council is likely to enter into.
9: Thank you.
0: Thank you. Um, Councillor Wolf, and Councillor Freeman. I beg your pardon then. Councillor Freeman.
16: Yes, thank you Madam Chairman. I agree with a great deal of what uh, Councillor Arturus has just said. I think it's very correct and sensible. I served on the planning committee, it was then called Development Control, back in 2006 when the previous consent was given. Councillor Lachlan is the only other councillor who was on that committee, I think she's not here tonight. Uh, And we didn't spend an awful lot of time on it, no question at all about that. And I am not here to challenge the decision. I took part in this decision. I'm a member of this planning committee. Uh, and it was very carefully considered, for the most part. But I do take exception to the Section 106 agreements basically taking place between closed door, behind closed doors. There is no reason for this, Madam Chairman. It's not good governance. It's not good democracy. And lip service is paid by all these systems to the importance of maintaining public confidence. But as Shakespeare said, it is one of these things which is honoured more in the breach than in the observance. I have been a councillor for 20 years now. I have seen many, many examples of it. Uh, But there is also the fact that a wise officer will generally speaking defer a difficult decision to the councillors. There are all sorts of reasons for this. It is the wise thing to do. The councillors are the elected representatives of the people the officers are going to be there forever. It's very important to make sure that the elected representatives actually make the decisions. Officers advise, members decide. Bit of a strange thing. Maybe some of you here have never heard it before. Officers advise, but members decide. It's members that have to stand on the doorstep and justify what they have done at once every four years. If you're a bit of a masochist, you might... Um, actually apply for the county council as well in which case you end up doing it once every two years Uh, but you have to it's a very grounding experience to stand in front of um, an elector and justify what you've done over the last four years it's a very good experience should be done a a a lot more frequently in my opinion but the problem madam chairman with representational democracy is that it's very easy to get led away by populism. and We have plenty of examples of this in current government. It's not from this chamber, but from the government as a whole. Uh, And it doesn't result in good decisions. So I'm not in favor of even attempting to unstitch the original decision, the planning decision. But it's very important to get Section 106 agreements, if we're going with Section 106, uh, which are compensating the community adequately for the damage done, or the inconvenience caused, by the planning consent. And again, in my 20 years of being a councillor, I have seen many examples of where the um, applicant uh, was less than um, honest, shall we say, in delivery. Uh, And it's forced this council to actually deliver and to enforce Section 106, And if you write a very easy 106, there's not a great deal left to enforce. So I'm very much in favour of sending this back for the Section 106 side of things to be looked at more carefully. And somehow or other, Madam Chairman, it's ended up that Section 106 agreements are almost done in camera behind closed doors. It used to be, certainly, first time I served on the Development Control Committee, that they were brought back to the Planning Committee for ratification, sometimes just to be informed what had happened, but that was a good system. Somehow or other, that got lost in translation. It isn't done now. I don't recall any motion before council to say that. It was just something that's been done, I think, for officers' convenience. And it's bad. It's very bad for representational democracy. It's very bad for public confidence, and we need to fix it. And hopefully the next administration... But as far as I'm concerned, obviously I'm going to vote in favour of this motion. I think this is far too difficult to be allowed to run over into the next, to be dealt with in this current administration. It needs to be looked at properly uh, and in a balanced and unemotive way. Thank you, Madam Chair.
7: Thank you. Uh, Councillor Asker. Thank you, Madam Chair. In the officer's report on item two, it's highlighted that um, officers should not rely on delegated powers but should refer the draft section 106 agreement and conditions back to the planning committee for consideration. There are other points that are raised, um, which the word is risk, that I'm going to highlight at this point. The officer reports that there are a number of risks, one of those is, uh, and some of those are including circumventing the planning committee, the risk of the reputation to this council, and the risk of costs in delays. One of the biggest risks of all is the non-binding 106 regulation, which will outlast most of us, if that were the case. There's another huge risk which has already been touched on um, in this report and it is mentioned on item 15 that a further risk is that the planning process could become politicised. It's already been touched on that the planning committee should be a non-political decision. I just hope that tonight this is not a whipped uh, decision which has already been highlighted again in this officer's report. A few risks to consider may be, but valid ones that will have lasting effects on this council, so I will be supporting this motion. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Lemon.
17: Thank you, Chair. Um, Yes, I I agree uh, with a lot of uh, what Councillor Arthur has said. Uh, I'm the district councillor for Hatfield Heath and White Roading, and there are over 7,500 members of SSE, and many of them live in my ward. I am not a member of SSE. During my election campaign, they have voiced many concerns about the 106 agreement, including the 0.4 pence per passenger for local good causes, which falls well short of the average of 1.1 pence at most other UK airports. Many also feel the sound installation offers were totally inadequate. Stansted is known as the airport in the countryside. However, I am concerned about a report from the EU's Transport and Environmental Group. It was suggested that Ryanair is one of Europe's top polluters um, and this was quoted from the BBC, and I think they have made it into the list of top ten, of which most were coal-fired power stations. Bearing in mind the Ryanair have 70% of flights out of Stansted, did our officers take this into account when they agreed a derisory point four pence per passenger? Many of my local residents were disappointed because they have not got everything they expected and deserved from the one hundred six agreement for the airport, and they are feeling shortchanged by Attlesford District Council. The one hundred six agreement does not live up to my expectations. I believe it should be sent back for discussion and improvement by the Planning Committee, and I will be voting for the proposal.
0: Thank you, Councillor Ranger.
18: Thank you, Chairman. Um, Quite a complicated discussion tonight with many twists and turns and there are two particular twists that I would like to draw to attention. The first was just made by Councillor Asker referring to uh, paragraph two of the officers' report when she implied that it said the advice to councillors would be that officers should not rely on delegated powers. But that is the point the officer is making that what we're discussing tonight is the motion. So Councillor Asker has got that completely wrong. And the second twist is that the Planning Committee were minded to approve, subject to the Section 106, and the essence has been uh, made that um, it was minded to refuse but it was minded to approve subject to the 106. Now, I can't support this motion for two reasons. The first is that, as our legal officer has explained in the the, uh, notes to us, our procedures delegate matters to the officers from the planning committee. The planning committee were aware of that when they made the decision to approve, At no time during the discussion was the request for the Section 106 to be brought back for a further examination. And secondly, I'm not sure that we can even legally approve the motion tonight. To do so would be against our procedures. Any proposed change to procedures should be put to GAP and following that discussion there, a recommendation may come forward to Council. So, Chairman, I cannot... Uh, on two counts,
19: approve this motion. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Uh, Councillor Riles, then Councillor Foley.
19: Thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Howard Riles. I am the portfolio uh, portfolio holder for economic development here at the Council. Um, It's my first term in office. I'm I'm not a, a normal politician, if you like. I'm a businessman. And I tend to look at things um, really with facts, facts that I see in front of me, and that enables me to make my decisions on how I run my business. When, in my business, we have this uh, philosophy, is in my industry, is utmost good faith, and that's how you should conduct yourself, okay, in business. You should never mislead anybody, you should all tell the truth. These could be old fashioned uh, ideals, but that's the one I can't, kind of stick to. And I've kind of brought that with, with me into my political life. That's why I believe in as well. I don't believe in misleading anybody. I don't believe leading anybody on. And I have done my best for my residence in Takely, as referred to as one of those wards um, that uh, possibly is under threat. I don't know. But I know that I can, start, I can hold my hand up and my head up and know that I've done everything in my mind correctly and honestly. And I, I voted in favour of this planning application. Not because I was whipped, not because I felt that it was, you know, the Conservative Party wanted me to do that, not at all. Because I looked at the facts and what I saw. We have to remember and bring it back to the fact that the 2008 decision, okay, by central government about the limit of 275,000 or 274,000 flight movements has not been reached at all. And if this planning application hadn't come anywhere near us, I I hate the damn thing, I have to say, but if it had not come anywhere near us, STAL uh, could have continued operating without any interference as long as they didn't breach the rules that were part of that Section 106 that applied at the time. Now as of August last year, 188,000 traffic movements, so they still got quite a way within the the 2008 um, mission. Likewise, uh, the number of passengers, I think it's 28, they're up to 28 million. They could easily have gone up to 35 million without having come anywhere near us. Okay? I think, from sound business reasons, they've wanted to increase that number up to 43 million, and that has been improved. Now, as I say, I deal in facts, and I, I want to dispel those myths that there's not going to be any more flights. Okay? And we have to also think about the way that general aviation is changing around the world. The the Boeing 747s are out of fashion. The Airbus A380 are out of fashion. People do not want to go from hub to hub. They want to go directly, which is where the smaller planes come in. So I don't think there's going to be a huge rush to that 35 million or even the 43 million passenger numbers throughput. So this is all about, really, mitigation of some sort. And I think there could be some natural mitigation going on in the industry, as we see it, just the way life is. Now, talking about myths and facts, I've read through the Section 106 agreement. I've read through the officer's report, and I read through the email of the 8th of April from Stop Standard Expansion. Now, they say in there that that is not offering is offering 150,000 for local good causes. Uh, Well, it's not strictly a a pot that anybody can just apply for. People, they have to be um, affected and justify the reason why that um, they're applying for this money. But the level of the the money, you cannot compare, I think, as Councillor Rangel has said, against Heathrow or Gatwick. They probably do pay an awful lot more money than... Because we're a country country airport, airport in the country, a lot smaller a lot less people affected than there are densely populated around Heathrow. So I would expect them to contribute an awful lot more, Okay, So I don't think we should not not be comparing apples with pears, for example. The other point I think I've got to mention as well is the sound insulation grants, Okay, In that press release it mentioned uh, the uh, Heathrow was was offering uh, money to those in the 60 decibel level with no financial cap, Okay. Going through this section 106, I can see there are three different levels. The lower level at 57 decibels, which affects approximately 1,600 properties, is about worth about 8 million pounds. The total pot to, for insulation for all of the, 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 the properties that could be affected, which is index linked, is 11.7 million. Now I'm not standing here trying to uh, stick up for STAL, I'm just dealing with facts. And that's what I would like everybody to consider. <laughs> I'm not. I am not. <laughs> the reason why I'm standing up and talking to be is not because I'm one sided, because I have a genuine concern about things being referred back to a potentially political committee. Okay? As Councillor Ranger also raised. I I well my responsibility my I take my responsibilities very seriously on the planning committee. I've not been political at all. Okay? And I'm not being political now. What I'm trying to, as we've all said, this has got to be something for all the members together to get their head round and work non-politically. And what I'm trying to say is, I'd rather that, um, that this, did not, this motion wasn't approved and it went back to the planning committee. I really don't think that's the right option. Okay? The, um, I th- I'm worried about that they've the politicised and also... Um, just, just, just the whole fundamental, because you could carry on have situations with, and this is a different develop. this is a different application because it's an airport. It is, it is unique, but you could have somebody who's got 500 houses they want to build, or 1,000 houses, and that could be drawn back again. So, you thank you, ladies and gentlemen, please. please. I wouldn't interrupt any other member of general public, so please accord me that respect, okay? Um, Seven minutes, so I'm probably out of time, but I would would ask everybody, all the councillors, to please look at this as a non-political view and think about the concerns I've just raised. Thank Thank you.
0: Thank you. you. Councillor Foley.
13: Chairman, thank you. Um, I'd just like to ask a question, because it was raised by Councillor Ranger, that this as legal, that you thought this motion was somehow illegal. Can I ask for uh, uh, Mr. Pugh to uh, give his opinion on that, please? And then I want to continue.
20: It would be lawful for Council to agree the proposition before it. It can refer the matter back to the Planning Committee.
13: So that's cleared up. This is legal so that nobody would be under any doubt if they voted uh, on this motion that that it would be legal. Secondly, I'll be very brief, actually, because a lot of it's been said by by, uh, others. I am concerned that Uttlesford District Council will damage its reputation if we don't bring this back to the planning committee. And I say, particularly to Conservative councillors, conserve the reputation of this council needs conserving and vote for the motion. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Councillor Hargreaves.
21: Thank you, Chair. Um, when, a, when a normal planning application comes before the committee, as in you know, 100 houses, the, the Section 106 matters are pretty clear. It will be so hundred thousand for secondary education, for primary education, for early years. There will be the health contribution, there will be affordable housing, there will be things like you have to build a road junction as specified by Essex Highways. It's specific stuff and it's quite reasonable at that point then to take it off to officers afterwards who will then work through the fine wording of the section 106 to make sure it's correct and it's enforceable and it's fine. That works okay. Looking at this, it is nothing like that at all. When I first looked at the section 106 proposals before the application went to the committee, um, it was a long list of, um, some cases, quite cheap, nice-to-haves, other things which were okay, but they were vague. You know, the, the, the delivery bits weren't there, the money wasn't there. It was, stuff that, it was sort of reasonable stuff, but it wasn't precise. Then I realised, actually, it was a document produced by Mac. Then when I looked at what had gone into the, the matter that was agreed by, the Section 106 that was agreed by the committee, it was pretty much a summary of what MAG had written out. And nowhere in there was a pound sign. There were no figures in there. So it was, it was a heads of agreement. It wasn't anything like what you would normally get at the planning committee. And if this situation, particularly it's such an important thing, hugely important, uh, to have just a heads of agreement, uh, just a few words but nothing very specific, to then pass that off to officers and then say, oh, that's fine, that's it, it's done, we're not going to look at it again, It just seemed to me just bonkers. I really can't see what what the issue is. If what has been produced for this section 106 is fine and it's all neat and tidy and it will deliver, then take it to the committee, the committee will agree it. If it's not fine, then the committee won't agree it and they'll have words and it will get refined. But this is so different from a normal planning application. I can see absolutely no reason what anyone should re- refuse, should want to refuse to have it go back to commit it. It just seems such a sensible thing to do. I cannot really see what the argument for this is, is about. We've just got to accept this motion and get on. For the sake of everyone, and it doesn't matter about the politics, it's the matter of getting the best deal we can get for our community. Please, please, accept the motion. Vote for the motion.
0: So, Councillor Hell.
22: Thank you, Madam Chairman, Councillors. Uh, can I start off by thanking members of the public for attending, for those who spoke. I, I listened, as always, with with care and uh, great interest, with the comments that have been made. I am not a member of the Planning Committee, uh, though. Last November, I sat up there and listened very closely to the deliberations of the Planning Committee, read many of the papers although not all of the papers related to the application has been pointed out, they were extremely extensive. Um, I listened to many hours of representations and it was clear that the objections were heavily outnumbered those in support of the application. Uh, And if banning decisions were simply a referendum based on local opinion, particularly that expressed at meetings, then decisions would be very simple, but they wouldn't necessarily be good decisions I I think probably have had the good fortune never to sit on the planning committee in my time at Uttlesford District Council. I think it's probably the most difficult committee that any councillor can sit on. I've had many reasons to rage at the decisions of the planning committee over the time that I've been on the council, but I recognise they do a very difficult job as well as they possibly can, and for the most part they take politics out of it and they try and balance local opinion with what is required for them to do by law. It's inevitably going to be extraordinarily difficult with a planning application as significant as this one, which is so unpopular locally. And I say that as somebody who lives in the flight path or under the flight path, represents a ward that is adversely affected by Stansted. I do not think Stansted is a particularly good neighbour. Nevertheless, I do not believe that that on itself is a reason for turning down a planning application and I need to remind councillors that the section 106 provisions were clearly set out in the planning papers. It's unclear to me from the motion why we would want to reverse the established practice of this council whereby officers are delegated to carry out Section 106 agreements. Why we would reverse that process and bring it back to the committee to endorse. It's unclear from this motion why a new committee or a new council would be better positioned than this one to judge on the matter. It's unclear to me why this applicant should be treated differently to any other applicant The law is blind, and the popularity of that applicant is not of itself a reason for treating them differently, and it never should be. We have always had a process where the Section 106 is delegated to officers to decide. I have some sympathy with the representations that have said that they are disappointed with the Section 106 provisions that were negotiated. They were perhaps not as generous as people were expecting or had a right to expect, but nevertheless they formed part of the planning decision and to reverse that now, I think, would be quite wrong. It's unclear to me why we would treat this decision differently to others. So if we are to reverse the governance process, we should ensure that all section section 106 decisions are reversed back. But that is not the motion here tonight. I might have some sympathy with that proposal. So although we have said this is not about renegotiating or re-arguing the case, I actually recognise that at the core, it's an unhappiness with the decision, a wish to delay it perhaps, but ultimately it's a view that that some councillors have that for some reason we can cherry-pick this particular section 106 and not create a precedent. For me, it is a dangerous precedent and the wrong thing to do for us to change our governance process. I'm unpersuaded by the motion, uh, and I will not be supporting it.
0: Thank you. Uh, Councillor Barker.
5: Thank you, Chairman. Um, I can't speak as eloquently as Councillor Howe, but I do totally echo his views on the hard job that the Planning Committee has to do Um, I too would like to thank the residents, particularly those from High Easter who came along to speak tonight. We are affected by Stansted. I live under the flight path, but we're affected by Luton, by Gatwick, by London City Airport, by Heathrow, because we live on the Clacton flight path. And since the CAA changed the flight path rules a couple of years ago, we have aeroplanes in and out of our bedroom window continuously throughout the summer. And as one person who spoke said, you can't be out in the garden. You do get used to it a little bit. But when the flight path is so straight and it's over your house, then it is a real intrusion. And I'm sorry to people in Felsted as Debbing, but we love it when the wind changes because you take a little bit of the brunt for a little while. Um, but I don't wish it on you either. It's a terrible thing. There are so many planes now coming over our houses. However, I haven't sat on the planning committee either, but I would with a, he- with a heavy heart probably have voted for this application because... If the committee hadn't agreed the application, it would have gone it would have been called in by the Secretary of State. There would be no mitigation. There would be no enhanced noise contour insulation grants. There would be very little community funding. There would be very little money for roads. We've seen that. You only have to go to Woodlands Park in Dunmo, which was granted all those years ago. There are no community facilities on an estate of a thousand houses, because this council didn't grant planning, it was granted on appeal. Um, I also have a concern about referring this back to committee. If this had been asked for last November, I'd have had no problems with that. The planning committee, and there were people of all persuasions on the planning committee, had said, we want to see the detailed 106, bring it back to committee, then those same people who sat and made that planning application could have reviewed it. No trouble whatsoever. Referring it to a new committee, we know that Councillor Mills isn't standing, a couple of other people aren't standing for election, Councillor Hicks, it won't be the same people. So how can we ask a whole load of people who never considered the planning application, never made comments about the Section 106 obligations, to now have a look at them? They didn't sit there through the planning application, didn't listen to the points made by officers, made by MAC, made by members. So we're asking a totally different group of people to review something that a totally different group of people did. To me, there's no logic, and I'm afraid for that reason alone, I really cannot support this motion. Thank you.
23: Thank you, Councillor Light. Sorry, Councillor Light was first. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Chair and Council. I'm Councillor Light, <laughs> with an L. Um, I've been listening to everything that's been said. I have read the documents and I've listened with interest and thank the members of the public who have come and spoken with such passion. I'm going to say something really simple. As we know, the aim of this motion is to ensure the planning committee, which is the competent committee delegated by this Council, that it reviews and improves the Section 106 of this application. As far as I'm concerned, it's irrelevant if there are new people, because it is the actual, it must be analysed and scrutinised forensically. So it is actually welcome and it is a good thing if there are new people who will be looking at this. And this requires time. There have been material changes since November, but we're not dealing with these changes here. We have one simple task in front of us tonight. It's not complicated. It is not political. It's simply this. We, the councillors, represent the residents who live in this district. Simple. Therefore, it is our duty to ensure that the interests of our residents are met and to ensure that they get the fairest and the best deal possible from the airport. For this reason, Chair and Council, I urge you all to vote in favour of this motion as I will be and let the Planning Committee do its job and forensically review and agree and approve the Section 106. I'm also asking for a recorded vote tonight. Thank you.
24: Thank you, you, Madam Chairman. I actually wasn't going to speak because there are plenty of people who have spoken, including the public. However, I have been that member of public many years ago, coming here with what we considered salient, positive points that we knew we were right, we really believed we were right, and we kept being told we weren't right. And there is nothing worse when you have done your research, you are coming with positive points, with salient points, with measurable points, to prove that actually something needs to be changed. And people in power, if you really want to do a good job, Sometimes you have to step back and say, we have listened. That doesn't mean those that speak the loudest are going to get what they want. You have to come with the right points. And I believe that the public speakers and the people that have spoken before me have come with excellent points. So it's a good council, isn't it, that stands up and says, we will rethink, we will relook, and we're not going to stand on our laurels. And to say another committee of new members might not be as good, I don't agree. I think we have to believe that the people that are elected are going to do, as hopefully we all do, the best that we possibly can, that we read the papers, we look at the evidence, and we try our best. And we must assume that the new committee will also do that. There is nothing wrong in saying... We do need to look at it. And members of the public, they need to come and believe that we have looked at what they have said. We have read all the papers. And we will make the decision on what we have read, the evidence before us, not what our friends say, and not just because there is a lot of people here.
0: Mm-hmm. Councillor Wolf.
25: Thank you Madam Chairman. Um, Good evening councillors and members of the public. Um, Before I uh, cover the points that I've Uh, scheduled to to talk. I would just like to refer to some of the speakers and I thank thank the speakers for making their contribution. But as has been indicated, um, the administration does not use any form of whipping, well it does not use any form of whipping period, but certainly not for planning matters. I have said on public record many a time uh, politics should have nothing to do with planning. And uh, it's very important, and I think we've heard tonight why that is so important. And I also think it's worth remembering, and and, and Councillor Howell referred to this point very eloquently, that that decision was made in good faith, in accordance with planning regulations. And I think it's unfortunate, and there were one or two, to attack those members who undertook that task with (coughs) dignity and resolve. And my final point uh, is that This is not being rushed. Um, The the application was heard on the 14th of November uh, after a long period of consultation. The Council then has a duty to determine. It couldn't do that because the matter was referred to the Secretary of State. Uh, He cleared that the process was carried out in accordance as it should have been uh, and therefore the Council immediately after that has wanted to get on with the matter. So, just uh, referring to my notes, we we, we must, and this point has been echoed repeatedly, uh, remember what this motion is about. It is not about the the original planning application. It is about whether it is appropriate for a Council to, uh, in this case, change its governance and processes. Section 106 agreements are subject to a series of legal tests. This is set out in the Community Infrastructure Regulations of 2010, Regulation 122, subsection 2, and supported in the National Planning Policy Framework. They set out that planning obli- obligations must be necessary to make the development acceptable in planning terms, directly related to the development, and fairly and reasonably related in scale and kind to the development. The delegation to officers to determined 106 arrangements is in, certainly in Uttlesford and in most Councils normal practice. Planning applications are determined in accordance with the provisions of the Town and Country Planning Act of 1990 and the Council has delegated its responsibility to officers and the Planning Committee. Tonight's meeting is, is not illegal but it is it's certainly unusual uh, and, and inconsistent with the governance of Councils who do have planning responsibility. There are wider implications of using full council to review the decisions of any committee that that has been delegated to discharge functions on behalf of the council. The scheme of delegation is established to enable the efficient and effective working of the council and provides a framework within which officers and members can operate with confidence. It also provides residents, businesses and customers the clarity, transparency and some certainty on how the council makes decisions. It is extremely important to note that the Planning Statement as presented to the Committee included Draft Section 106 Heads of Terms which drew together the various measures set out in each of the topic chapters and clearly identified the trigger points. The resolution of the Planning Committee to approve the application was made in the context of the application documentation in its entirety. The audio recording of the meeting did not note any changes or additions to the mitigation measures. The committee was therefore content. Colleagues are reminded of the 106 headings, the sound insulation grant scheme, strategic route network improvements, local roads networks, public transport and a section called Other Matters, which included skills, education, employment, community trust fund, ecology provision, surface water discharge and quality monitoring. It's not part of tonight's debate to discuss the detail, but it should always be noted, and this has been referred as well, in a package of this scale that it is about the total package, and you can't unpick it or necessarily compare one element. There is an uncomfortable inference in the debate that some members do not trust officers. If this attitude were to grow, then it has major consequences for the business of this council. Not only were officers guided by expert planning planning legal advisers, uh, council. the agreement was also approved and signed by Essex County Council, a major stakeholder in highways. So what would happen if this, and I conclude, what would happen if this motion was successful? It would, I, I sense, damage our governance, it would break the relo- working relationship between officers and members, it would ask a new planning committee, some of whom would obviously, as previously uh, said, not have the experience of this case and renegotiation would be difficult and very finally it would most likely lead to a charge of non determination and this is a most material point where udc would be bound to pay all the costs and where we would struggle to defend as our officers had made the original recommendation in a small instance in cambridge the council had to a similar instance in cambridge the council had to pay 250000 pounds over just four houses Imagine with the scale of Stansted what that potential cost could be. I don't say this to exaggerate, but it would be significant and even as much as a million pounds. This is a high price to pay. Ladies and gentlemen, you've heard uh, many arguments uh, eloquently uh, made uh, about why we should oppose this motion, and I agree with them and my own comments.
26: Thank Thank you.
0: Thank you. Councillor Fairhurst.
26: Thank you, Madam Chairman. Thank you also for convening this extraordinary meeting, um, and thank you, guests, for joining us tonight. It is an unusual meeting. It is an extraordinary meeting. It's also an unusual an extraordinary matter, one that bears consideration. We are told in the officers' report that it's about delegation, and that's, in fact, what it's all about. It's about delegation. We are actually told that it's really a question of, can officers rely on the delegated powers, or should they refer back to planning committee? Delegation is a complex process. Delegation is a compromise. You see, if we all knew what we were doing in planning, it would be nice if some of us did, um, all 39 of us would make every decision we can. We would established that's not efficient. So we compromise on the democracy of it. By delegating down to the planning committee, we say, these guys have got expertise, and got some experience, and they're going to get it done. And that's reasonable. We all agree on that. That's fine. And the planning committee themselves delegates to officers because there's a lot of detail and negotiation and work to be done. That also makes sense. So, all this delegation is still fine. We do understand what that delegation is all about. You see, tonight is about the authority that is in fact delegated. We all sat, and I must admit I was one, in this meeting for five hours, wherever it was, it seemed interminable, and we discussed a number of issues. And then we took a decision, and we're not going to discuss. The issue. We're not going to discuss the material. That's not what's on the table today. We're just going to discuss the delegation. And we delegated to the officers, and it's very simple. We said, "This is what we're going to. We're going to approve it. But hold on. We are minded. I'm just correcting one of our councillors. We are minded to refuse. Those are the words. We are minded to refuse unless. In legal terms, that's a a, a suspensive condition. A Conditio sine qua non. You love the Latin. It means that we're going to go with this unless and until this takes place. So the question tonight is very simple. Do we believe that this conditional thing has taken place or hasn't it? Sorry, I've just established that we are not expertise enough. We've been told that to make that decision. The only people who can make that decision are the tours to officers, which are, in fact, the planning committee. So I'm not going to talk about the details of the 106 agreement. In the planning committee, I might. I'm simply going to talk about this. If I delegate something, I say, go ahead and do this, but make sure you comply with its noise and its air pollution and its money details, transport. Make sure they comply with enough to make it satisfactory. Who determines that? Delegatee? Or the delegator? Surely it has to be the delegator who makes that decision. It's not rocket science, chaps, that's logical. So what we're going to decide today is not to make a huge, hybrid decision, it's simply this. Why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we call it back to the same planning committee to scrutinise whether that Condition has been met, and off we go. Instead of bringing it here, where we don't really understand or have the expertise.
0: Thank you. Uh, Councillor
27: Mills. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, I don't make a habit of speaking in this chamber because there's already enough hot air spoken. Um, I'm the villain of the piece here, I chair this planning committee. It's my vote, or my deciding vote, that actually tilted the balance on a 5-5 uh, uh, vote. Um, so I'm the villain in the room. Um, <laughs> sorry? <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, I'd like to emphasise to everybody that we have a legal framework in which we operate. There are certain things we can do and certain things we can't do. I'm very proud of the way the Planning Committee has operated over the last four years, Uh, and I hope the other members of that committee would agree with me that, in general, it's been non-political, it is not whipped, Uh, people speak their mind, they don't always follow party rules or lines, Um, and I think we've, in general, done a a fair job out of a very difficult job. We make enemies of most of the parish councils because at some time an application comes before us that people don't like. Well, um, it doesn't make it easy. But having said that, we work within a set of rules. And like Councillor Fairhurst has just said, we have a set of uh, responsibilities that we have to meet. Um, The application that came before us all 13,000 pages and plus and and details. Most of us I like to think we read, I like to think we considered it. Um, On balance, I found it an application that we had to support. I didn't think we could defend it. It was was an increase of passenger numbers. There was a fixed amount of flights which we were not considering, the 274,000 cap. Um, I think it would have been very difficult for us to refuse that permission. Uh, I know it's not popular with everybody, Um, but I think it was the right decision for this district, this community, the southeast of England. I think it's got bigger implications Um, and I think you can't ignore that. Uh, I find it very difficult when people say that we were forced into this and that we're not considering every angle. Um, I like to think we did. I like to think that the 106 agreement that was in the original documents we had has been worked on by the officers and generally represents what we approved and delegated officers to bring to fruition. Um, Every single planning application that we've done over the four-year period that I can recall has gone through that process. We have not changed our methods and why should we now? I think that there is a conversation tonight about the political overtone to this. If this comes back before another committee and the council changes, the makeup of this council will change on the 2nd of May. There is no doubt about that. Several speakers have made it quite clear that they're not going to vote Conservative or they're going to do this. Therefore, politics is coming into planning here. And it may be that a new committee would find this in a different way. And what happens if they then? tick the can down the road or try to reverse this position Uh, and then we then get in a heck of a mess going forward. So do I believe that the motion before us serves any purpose? No I don't because I actually believe that the 106 that was in the original agreement has been put forward, put to officers and has basically been put together in a manner that we all had before us as a planning committee at that time. Do I think we've followed the rules? Yes I do. Will that stand up to scrutiny if this goes to court and everything else? Yes, I believe it will. As every single other case that has been taken to that court has also stood up. I shall be supporting the motion. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Does anybody else wish to speak? If not, can I ask Councillor Gerard, would you like to speak? Oh, Councillor. Who else would like to speak? Councillor Lodge, you wanted to speak. Well, Councillor Gerard has seconded the motion and wished to speak. I'm happy to speak, Madam Chairman. Thank you very
14: much. Um, Thank you, fellow councillors, for your... Thank you, fellow councillors, Madam Chairman, members of the public. Um, Madam Chairman, as your procedure note outlined, uh, we're not here tonight to rake over the coals of the planning application. Others have already attempted to do that. We're not here to do that. Uh, The application seems to have dominated this council for over a year now. Um, And as attractive as it may be, we are not here to question the apparently numerous meetings held between officers and the applicant, which for some reason were not minuted. We are not here to question the amount of time afforded the opposition speakers or the apparent lack of numbers of Uttersford residents in favour of the application or the 47 parish councils who submitted comprehensive objections. We are also not here to discuss the minutiae, the details or the substantial issues of this application, such as noise, road, rail, transport, air quality or pollution. These are matters for another time. We are all aware that this council has appointed an independent assessor to scrutinise our large planning applications as a whole, and this application in particular. And I hope, at that point, to be able to say that we're on our way to achieving a best practice procedure in our planning process. But tonight, Madam Chairman, we are here simply to assess whether the Section 106 obligations that were required by the Planning Committee on November the 14th, have been adequately negotiated and finalised, and whether these obligations satisfactorily meet with the requirements that the Planning Committee anticipated when approving the application. Obviously, the question must be any council faced with so substantial an application would err on the side of caution. This is obviously an application that affects or will affect this district for many years to come. And if we get it wrong, we'll have to live with that for many more administrations. It may be said, and it's, it's relevant tonight in this debate, that unless we actually specify in detail certain things required of the applicant, these actions will not be taken. There is no considerable controversy with regards to outstanding Section 106 obligations. Sorry, there are still considerable applications of the same applicant that are still being questioned and negotiated as we speak. So we need to get this right. Madam Chairman, this council is ultimately the planning authority for the district. Whether we like it or not, the buck does actually stop here. This council, for good reason, we're advised, delegates this authority to its specially selected planning committee. The reasons are many, but they include the fact that the planning committee members are trained to address the sometimes fairly complex applications, such as this one, and can apply their minds and their time to the process adequately. I repeat, we delegate that authority to the planning committee. It is then argued that once planning applications are received, the planning committee delegates authority to the planning department officers to assess each application. And for large applications, the officers recommend some kind of action usually approval or rejection, and the committee makes a decision and then delegates it to officers to carry out their decision. The process of delegation is remarkably simple, and perhaps too simple for an application like this. And I would argue, as a member of the committee who sat on the 14th of November, that we were not offered the opportunity to fully debate the section 106 contributions. And I must state that during one of the breaks on the 14th of November I did ask the Chairman when we would have an opportunity to debate the Section 106 and he told me we'll get to that but we never did. The minutes concur. A page and a half of promises were made but the details were never discussed. For the benefits of members of this Council who we are advised are not qualified the planning process, it may need to be stressed that Section 106 obligation is not a bribe, it's not a sweetener, it's an obligation deemed absolutely necessary to mitigate against the harms that an application would seem to be doing in order to make that application qualify as sustainable in accordance with the National Planning Policy Framework 2018 as amended. Without adequate Section 106 obligations, that application fails to be sustainable. It's not complicated. Therefore, the extent of that Section 106 obligation needs to be very measured and very clear. In this case, the decision of the committee on the 14th of November was, and I quote, to be minded to refuse planning permission for the reasons set out in paragraph 3.0. Unless, let me repeat that, even though Councillor Dean has already done this, and perhaps especially for the benefit of Councillor Ranger. I will repeat and read specifically from page 112 of the Officer Report, 14th of November. Recommendation. Conditional approval subject to Section 106, Legal Obligation. The applicant be informed that the Planning Committee would be minded to refuse planning permission for the reasons set out in paragraph 3, unless the freehold owner enters into binding obligation, etc., etc. And then we have a list of 15-plus obligations. The planning committee minded to refuse. It's very clear. Madam Chairman, it is not complicated. The Council's planning committee was faced with a very extensive application, with reading amounting, and you know this, over 13,000 pages and arrived at a decision which was conditioned conditioned on the completion and delivery of a Section 106 obligation. It is therefore obvious that once the officers believe, in good faith, that these obligations have met the minimum standards required by the committee, that officers then return to the committee (laughs) to confirm that the Section 106 has been met. And at that point, the committee, being satisfied that the standards have been achieved, effectively waives the condition and the officers process the application and the planning decision notice is issued. It is not complicated. If the condition were to be met by the assessment of the officer, then the then the, the, the determination of the contract and the quality of the condition has been delegated as well, and that is not the authority that is delegated to the Officers. The final arbiter of whether Section 106 has been met, in this case, has to be the delegator, as we have heard from Councillor Fairhurst, i.e. the Planning Committee. Now, tonight, members of this Council are not usurping the role of the Planning Committee, as has been suggested by the Officer. We are not getting into the finer details, the suspensive issues, the noise, the air quality, etc. We're simply proposing that unless and until the Planning Committee has had sight of and deliberated and assessed the satisfactory nature of the suspensive condition, i.e., the full and final Section 106 agreement, the Planning Decision Notice cannot, it cannot be issued. To do this would deny the Planning Committee the authority. That this council has invested in it. And I will try to conclude if I can. I'm so sorry. The only outstanding question I have, Madam Chairman, is why wouldn't we want to give our planning committee the opportunity to do its job? Why not? The planning committee is there for a purpose. This is a major application. And it's stated in the officer's report the delegation to officers to settle. The detailed drafting of the Section 106 agreement is usual practice. And this may be the case. Although, as has been mentioned already by one of our speakers earlier, I think it was Mr Reeve, I must point out, Madam Chairman, that again in my capacity as planning committee member, just two weeks ago, on 10th of April, our officers thought necessary For the same planning committee,
0: Councillor Gerard, are you nearly
14: finished? I am concluding. This is important, Madam Chairman, and I am the seconder of this motion. But
0: everyone else has stuck. I am the seconder of the motion. Please, please. if if I may, with respect. With
14: respect. Just two weeks ago, on the 10th of April, our officers thought it necessary for the same planning committee to reconsider the Section 106 heads of terms for a somewhat minor application for just eight houses in Hatfield Heath. And the officer report stated, officers consider it prudent to clarify this matter before the completion of the Section 106 obligation and the issuing of the planning permission. So we're not striking any new territory here, councillors, Madam Chairman. I would argue that if any application warrants prudence and clarification, then surely the biggest and most significant application that we have ever had before us certainly does there can be no reason to rush the job and I strongly advise councillors to retain the authority and stand up to our obligations here in this council and demand that we suspend the application until such time as the section 106 has been assessed and found satisfactory by the planning committee and therefore as seconder for the motion I urge fellow councillors to do the same We have a duty, fellow councillors, a duty to protect the integrity of this council. Thank you.
28: Thank you Madam Chair. I think you started by by saying that we weren't actually looking at the application itself and that we were going to look at the process which has taken place over uh, over what is more than a year now. And so I want to look purely at process and this is absolutely the essence of tonight. Um, I'd like to join Councillor Deal in thanking uh, the work that SSE does. Not that we say we support slavishly what SSE says but they do a tremendous work in analysing the evidence and presenting it to all of us here on the Council and also it's tremendous that so many of the public have come along to give us the benefit of their views. Uh, and I would like to just refute something that Councillor Rolf says, that, that, that there's no, no implication anywhere that we do not trust officers. This is not about the process that the officers are going through. This is about the overall process of the application. So I think that was a a rather strange comment to make. As I said, we've been at this for for about a year now. Um, However... So many parts of this have been pushed through by this administration for reasons which I find myself completely at at a loss. We really are going through with minimal uh, scrutiny. Um, And particularly, members members of the public have said this, when they were viewing the application, they were amazed that a large number of the members of that planning committee asked no questions, made no comments whatsoever during during that meeting. We ask ourselves, what on earth was going on? What was wrong with the process? I think that questions do need to be asked, and it may well be that it's for a new administration to answer that question, and that's why we need to move on in this process and let that new administration have a look at them. Um, Just some points to to reiterate on on previous applications where um, history is always important in what we are doing nowadays. Um, In the 2000 application, there were actually 1,800 more meetings to, uh, to determine the issue. That was democracy then. In 2003, as I think Mr Reeve said, the Section 106 did come back to the committee. Let history point us in the right direction. There's no reason not to. Now, unlike um, Councillor Howell, uh, I have sat on the planning committee and it it is a a dubious privilege, if you like, at times. Not only did I sit here for uh, four years. I also sat on the Essex County Council Planning Committee uh, which considered large planning applications its own applications in the county Um, and there was a a theme through what must have been about 80 planning meetings. Right at the end of all of those papers there were details of conditions there were significant amounts of details on the Section 106 agreements that were going to be entered into by by officers. Now in this one, out of 13,000 pages, the outline of the 106 was less than one page. What on earth is going on? Why was this process happening in this way? It is amazing. Uh, And that does seem strange to me. Uh, One thing I thought may have come up, I'll put this in as as maybe some new fact if you like, it's now five months since the uh, planning application was was determined uh, in uh, November and in fact a lot's happened in the aviation industry. There's a real need for us to revisit the Section 106 in light of the World Health Organization report on noise, the government's aviation 2050 and the performance of the Boeing... So, uh, the Boeing Max 8 is actually important, and it's something that can be looked at again when we look at getting this Section 106 right. So, just to finish, to ensure the good reputation of UDC, and I'm sure that everybody here will agree with me on this, from the audience, well, maybe with one exception, we need members to agree to this motion to allow to the proper scrutiny of that Section 106. This will be taken to the planning committee in a new administration where, unlike in the planning application, I feel pretty sure that members will pay attention and will give this due consideration. What's the hurry now? Thank you, Madam Chairman.
0: Is anybody else in this position does anybody else wish to speak? It gone? If not, I'll ask Councillor Dean if he'd like to sum up.
12: Right. Thank you, Madam Chairman, and thank you, uh, members, as, as well as members of the public, for contributing tonight. Uh, there are, I think there have been 11 or 12 uh, members of the Council who have spoken in favour of this motion being approved and it is certainly my wish that it is approved. There have been uh, six speakers against. Um, The ones speaking before, I think, quite importantly for for it, have quite importantly said that it is important that this does not become a party political political matter, Uh, and uh, I sincerely hope that that continues to be the case. We've heard that the reputation of the Council is at risk and it is certainly my sincere hope that the Council tonight does the right thing in order to recover some of its uh, reputational loss because I think there is no uh, denying that 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 has been the case. Um, And one one member who spoke in favour I think quite sensibly said that uh, a new committee and look at the situation objectively with with fresh eyes it doesn 't mean to say that they come to well they 're certainly not considering the decision anyway but, but I think it 's a bit like it 's a bit like a jury you don't, you don 't necessarily have to have the same jury twice for the for, for an appeal on the on the same matter so I think the fact that members are elected members are rapidly able to apprise themselves of matters, I think, is no reason for saying you can't, as one member said, trust uh, a new planning committee to look at this unsatisfactory um, agreement. And I'm, I'm not going to repeat the matters, but it is quite clear to me it's undeniable that there are matters within this uh, agreement that are not present, that should be present, and there are other things which are unsatisfactory. We've heard um, speeches against where it's been said that we've got to face the facts, we've got to to realise, and in any way it's not particularly relevant to tonight, but that uh, this application did not have anything to do with increased numbers of flights. It jolly well did, because the previous uh, cap on flights was not attainable without increasing the number of passengers. That's what the approval has done. And and so the facts that we've been presented with tonight are false on on that point and others, uh, which is unfortunate. But the main thing seems to have hinged on process. Oh, you can't possibly uh, create a precedent uh, and do things slightly differently for something for this application which is significant compared with I don't know, five houses in Clavering, uh, that is a facile argument. This is so important that it has to be done properly because the implications of it will have, will, will run run and run for years. Um, and let, let me Let me pick up another theme that's been mentioned, and this is the matter of trust or lack of trust, the suggestion that if you don't, simply close your eyes and let the officers get on with the matter that was delegated to them, and that suggests that um, you don't trust your officers. That is absolute nonsense. Officers are there to advise. All the time they are there to advise if, if we didn't have elected members who have their own judgment on matters, then you'd only have officers, you'd only have the bureaucracy dealing with things. But we have a, a council tonight, and which will be re-elected uh, next Thursday, uh, and they are people who represent the community and, obviously, follow p- proper process and use their judgment based on the advice that you've got that we've had. So the idea in my opinion to leave the matter simply to officers on the basis that their judgment is better than ours I think for one thing puts too much burden on their shoulders and I think I've seen somebody who said you know it's a bit like telling people to mark their own homework Um, and and that, that is wrong. I'll give an example, a big example of where Um, where officer judgment in the past has gone wrong and that was with planning and that was relating to a large planning application at Elsnam, where the planning committee in its judgment refused an application and the officers decided that that the planning committee was wrong in fact in this chamber the then chief executive told the planning committee that they were wrong to refuse that application so it went back to the committee and the committee refused it again and it went to appeal and the appeal was dismissed in other words the committee was right so sometimes you, you have to change your you have to adapt your procedure in that case driven by officers in this case promoted by members to get the job done properly um, so the, business, the kind of threat that "oh, you're not trusting officers" is, is absolute nonsense and should be dismissed completely. So, members, this is an important decision. We've heard that um, we, we've heard the majority view that it should be referred back to the Planning Committee, and I urge you to vote for the motion. Thank you.
0: Right, thank you. A recorded vote has been requested, so I will ask Mr Pugh if he could call out your name.
20: I shall read out the name of each councillor and ask whether you are voting for the motion contained on the agenda, voting against or abstaining. It may be that I will call out names of some councillors who are not here, but please bear with me. First of all, Councillor Artis, do you vote for, against or abstain? Councillor Asker? Four. Councillor G. Barker? Against. Councillor S. Barker? Against. Councillor Chambers? Against. Councillor Davey?
3: Against.
20: Councillor Davis? Against. Councillor Dean? Four. Councillor Fairhurst? Four. Councillor Farthing? Against. Councillor Felton isn't here. Councillor Foley. For. Sorry. Councillor R. Freeman.
16: For the motion.
20: Councillor Gerrard. For. Councillor Gordon. Against. Councillor Hargreaves. For. Councillor Harris. Against. Councillor Hicks. Against. Councillor Howell. Against. Councillor Jones. Against. Councillor Hunt. Councillor Lees. Lees. Councillor Lemon. For. Councillor Light. For. Councillor Lodge. For. Councillor Mills. Against. Councillor Morris. For. Councillor Oliver.
18: Against.
20: Councillor Ranger.
18: Against.
20: Councillor Redfern. Councillor Rolfe against Councillor Riles against Councillor Wells
0: eighteen
20: fifteen. 15 to 18 defeated 18 to 14 Oh yes oh, sorry. So it's 14 votes for, 18 votes
0: against Okay, the, mo- the motion has fallen 14 votes um, for, 18 against uh, That concludes the business of Madam the Madam Chairman, the first I have vote. a point
28: of order Um, It it concerns a request for an Extraordinary Council meeting. I have here a form under Section 3.1.5 with a request for an additional Council meeting. Uh, I will send that up to you while I read it out. Uh, We, the undersigned, request that you convene an Extraordinary Council meeting in accordance with Rule 3 of Council procedure for the purpose of transacting the following business to instruct the Chief Executive and fellow officers not to issue a planning decision notice for planning application UTT 18 0460 full, Until members have had an opportunity to review and obtain independent legal corroboration, that the legal advice provided to officers, including the QC opinion referred to by the leader of the council on the 9th of April, confirms that the proposed section 106 agreement with Stanford Airport Limited fully complies with the resolution approved by the planning committee on the 14th of November 2018, such that officers are law- fully empowered to conclude and seal that agreement without further reference to the planning committee. Thank you.
0: Uh, I'm advised we don't have to deal with that tonight. We have just received that request.
28: Sorry, could you repeat that?
0: We note your request, but we, we don't, be I beg your pardon. We note the request. We've received the request, but we can't or can't and um, don't have to deal with it tonight. It's not, as I said, it's not a matter of tonight's business.
28: Uh, could we hear from the legal officer on the process from here forward on this, bearing in mind that there's only a week of this council left? Thank you.
20: Well, bearing in mind that this is the first that uh, we have heard of Council Lodge's proposition, we will receive the request and we will deal with it in the usual manner.
0: Okay, Councillor Foley, the me- meeting really is concluded. but... Well, I did conclude the meeting after the vote, but go ahead.
13: If um, if this is to be... If this is to be taken forward in any way, can I ask uh, Mr. Pugh to give advice on the correct procedure so that we can follow this up.
20: I'm happy to discuss this with any member outside this meeting. Thank you.
0: Right, well, that does conclude tonight's business, so thank you.